Hi, it's Elise Lunan, host of Pulling the Thread. Today's guest is the brilliant Richard Schwartz, creator of Internal Family Systems, one of the most powerful therapeutic models at play today. He's also the author of many books, including No Bad Parts, Healing Trauma and Restoring Wholeness. I woke up at 2 a.m. last night drenched in sweat, throwing bedding off of me. Every pet was also on top of me, which probably didn't help. Many nights, I have the opposite problem, where I'm hunting in the hall closet for extra blankets in the wee hours because I'm freezing. In part, this is because my husband and I have wildly different sleep temperature preferences, and I'm cold because he's left all the sliding doors in our house wide open. But there's actually a solution I've come to learn. And I'm all about a sleep solution because we know how important good, uninterrupted sleep is for every facet of health. Have you heard about Chili Pad by Sleep Me? It's a bed cooling system designed to revolutionize the way you sleep naturally. The Chili Pad bed cooling system is your new bedtime solution. It lets you customize your sleeping environment to your optimal temperature, ensuring you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up refreshed. ChiliPad works with your existing mattress. It's a water-based mattress topper that continuously controls your bed temperature from 55 to 115 degrees. You can also choose a different setting than your partner, so you each get what you need. What I want? A cool mattress with piles of blankets on top. ChiliPad believes sleeping at the optimal temperature helps people naturally reach their highest potential physically and mentally, Visit www.sleep.me slash thread to get your chili pad and save up to $315 with code thread. This offer is available exclusively for Pulling the Thread listeners and only for a limited time. Order it today with free shipping and try it out for 30 days. You can return it for free if you don't like it with their sleep trial. Visit www.sleep.me S-L-E-E-P dot me slash thread because you're not just investing in better sleep, you're creating a better life. Hi, it's Elise Lunan, host of Pulling the Thread. I'm an author, podcast host, and parent who built a long career in media, I grew up in a state of perpetual curiosity, investigating the world and asking a lot of questions. In this show, I chat with culture-defining leaders, thinkers, and experts about this rare moment that we find ourselves in and how to think about our own lives and experiences within a larger social and spiritual construct. I'm trying to map the territory in the center world just the way I did with families. The distinction that immediately leaped out was between parts that other systems would call inner children, which, you know, they're very, before they're hurt, they're delightful. They, they give us all kinds of joy and, and imagination and creativity and playfulness and so on. But once they feel, once you have an experience that leaves you feeling worthless or terrified or, or hurt, they're the ones that take that in the most because they're the most sensitive parts of you. And then they get stuck with these, what I call burdens of worthlessness or pain or, or terror. And now we don't want to be around them because they have the power 
to overwhelm us and make us feel all that again and bring us back into those scenes that they literally are living in still. And so we try to lock them away inside and in inner basements and thinking we're just moving on from the memories, sensations, and emotions of the trauma, not realizing that we're actually leaving in the dust the parts of us we love the most when they're not hurt, just because they got hurt. So says Dr. Richard Schwartz, the creator of Internal Family Systems, a transformative, evidence-based model of psychotherapy that depathologizes the multi-part personality. Dr. Schwartz began his career as a systemic family therapist and academic in the Department of Psychiatry at the University of Illinois at Chicago, and later at Northwestern University. It was there that he worked with a number of clients who claimed to recognize that they had several components or parts to themselves. This discovery, deep listening, led him to develop internal family systems, also known as IFS. Within this model, Dr. Schwartz argues that over our lifetimes, our consciousness or personality can be broken down into multiple parts, each with distinct characteristics that fall under three categories, exiles, managers, and firefighters. Exiles are the parts of us that experience anxiety, fear, or trauma, often when we're very young. Our other parts begin to protect those exiles from being triggered by events and experiences. Managers do this by dictating how we interact with the external world, and firefighters seek to protect us by pushing us toward distraction to numb our pain. All of our inner parts contain valuable qualities, Dr. Schwartz tells us, but when they are left unattended, they may lead to damaging impulses, causing us to write them off as damaging in and of themselves. On the other hand, when our parts are acknowledged and their needs are addressed, a confidence and openness emerges, what Dr. Schwartz has come to call the self. It is in this state of self that we begin to heal all of our parts and become integrated and whole. In our conversation today, Dr. Schwartz walks us through the basics of his model and then guides me through an IFS work session. This was impromptu, but very powerful for me. Because the concept sounds heady, I'm glad you can experience the model in action. I hope our work together inspires you to explore the profound awareness made accessible by IFS. Okay, let's get to our conversation. Thanks for your, for No Bad Parts too. I love your Audible original, but it was really fun to read no bad parts and to have such an accessible guide to the whole system. And it feels so complimentary to every other system, psychological system or spiritual belief system. I guess the only thing that's in conflict with is this idea that we only have one mind. That and with the kind of prevailing idea that all you need to do is correct the irrational beliefs that one mind has. So it doesn't fit that well with CBT, actually. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. When you encounter stuff like that, I know CBT is useful for some people, but do you feel like it's more of a, I don't, and we don't need to disparage it, but more of a crutch for like rutted thinking? And then do you want to get them into a process, a deeper process? Yeah, that's, that's the main thing. It doesn't go deep enough. It it stays, stays with managers, really, basically. And if you don't get exiles, then things aren't going to change. 
That's interesting, actually. So within CBT, you're just coordinating your management team. Pretty much, yeah. So let's let's start there. And for people who are unfamiliar, do you, will you tell us about exiles, managers, and firefighters? Yeah. So to do that, I'll go back 40 years. It'll be 40 years this next year when I was first learning from clients about what they were calling parts. And I had no idea, but I just stayed open and learned from them that, number one, it's the nature of the mind to have them, that what we call thinking is usually just conversations among them and that they have a lot of power inside of us and that because it's the nature of the mind, they all have valuable qualities. You know, we wouldn't be born with stuff that wasn't good for us. But that trauma and what's called attachment injuries or bad parenting forces them out of their naturally valuable states into roles that can be damaging. And then we mistake the damaging impulse for the part itself, even though it's just, you know, I come from a family therapy background. So family therapy's big insight was you can't take a kid out of a dysfunctional family because he's acting out and just tell him to cut it out. You have to take a look at the family patterns that have him in this role and then change all that and release him from that role so he doesn't have to protect himself anymore, doesn't have to protect somebody in the family. And then he'll be who he was designed to be. Turns out the same is true for these parts. And so that's a lot of what IFS is designed to do is, is to help these parts out of the roles they were forced into so they can be who they're designed to be, which is always valuable. So, yeah, so as I was getting that from clients, I'm a systems thinker, so I'm, I'm trying to map the territory in the center world just the way I did with families. The distinction that immediately leaped out was between parts that other systems would call inner children, which, you know, they're very, before they're hurt, they're delightful. They, they give us all kinds of joy and, and imagination and creativity and playfulness and so on. But once they feel, once you have an experience that leaves you feeling worthless or terrified or, or hurt, they're the ones that take that in the most because they're the most sensitive parts of you. And then they get stuck with these, what I call burdens of worthlessness or pain or, or terror. And now we don't want to be around them because they have the power to overwhelm us and make us feel all that mm -hmm. again and bring us back into those scenes that they literally are living in still. And so we try to lock them away inside and in inner basements and thinking we're just moving on from the memories, sensations, and, and emotions of the trauma, not realizing that we're actually leaving in the dust the parts of us we love the most when they're not hurt, just because they got hurt. And then we, we tend to live our life cut off from all that, all those resources, and live in fear of that getting triggered again, because it, if it gets triggered, it's like these flames of emotion will destroy us. So other parts are then forced into their out of their naturally valuable states to become protectors so that those exiles don't get triggered and they stay contained. Some of those protectors 
take on manager roles. So they're trying to manage our external life so no one gets close enough to hurt us again or so that we look good all the time and we don't get rejected or we perform at a very high level and we get a lot of accolades to counter the worthlessness or so on and so on. There are many, many different common manager roles. So they're working all the time to keep us safe that way. And we still get triggered. And when that happens, it's like a big emergency for some parts. They feel like you're going to die if they don't do something to get you either higher than those flames of exile emotion or douse them with some substance or distract until they burn themselves out. So there's another set of protectors we call firefighters whose job it is to immediately go into action to impulsively get you away from those emotions. And they don't care about the collateral damage to your body, to your relationships. They just think they got to do this or you're going to die. And then our managers Mm -hmm. hate the firefighters because they take us out of control. And the managers are trying to keep us in control. So there's these polarizations rampant through our system. And all the while, these exiles are just hurting and feel abandoned alone. And so if you don't get down there, then things like CBT aren't going to do much much for Mm -hmm. you. And so firefighters, if we start there, that's when you see people sort of reacting out of pain or lashing out or maybe addiction or anything that might numb, distract, or project the pain. Exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, those are common firefighters. Yeah. And then managers, I think I have a lot of managers. When you were describing your body and and how you sense when your managers are present and where they are in your body, your shoulders, your neck, your jaw. Yeah. (laughs) You could identify. Very much relate. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, all these parts at one time in our life were necessary. The problem is they still think they are necessary the roles but if you were to go to some of your managers and ask how old they thought you were you get single digits most of the time they still think you're a five-year-old kid who needs you need who needs to be protected in the way you did back then and so yeah most of us are run by our managers especially those of us who've made it this far and have some degree of success and our firefighters you know, are either done in secret or they, they're done sporadically to take over when our managers get tired. Vet bills can be expensive, but Spot Pet Insurance can give you up to 90% cash back on vet bills so you can worry less about high vet bills. Yep, up to 90% cash back on vet bills for unexpected accidents, illness, and even routine care. And with Spot Pet Insurance plans, you can go to any vet you want in the U.S. or Canada. There's no network you need to stick to. So visit your favorite vet and you can save money on expensive vet bills. That's Spot Pet Insurance. It's no wonder Spot is America's favorite pet insurance. Visit SpotPet.com for a free quote today. For all terms, visit SpotPetInst.com slash sample-policy. Spot Pet Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produce Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. This is an independent ad from Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. Beneath all of these different parts, there's the self. 
that you write about so beautifully, this sort of essential animating energy of self that is imperturbable, whole, never desecrated. Can you explain what that is? And is it is it our personality or is it diff- is it more more removed than that? Yeah, our our personality is the whole package of parts. What I'm calling the self is a kind of inner essence that's sort of lies beneath all of that and is the big discovery of IFS. Not that it exists, because many spiritual traditions talk about something similar, but that it exists just beneath the surface of these parts. It can be accessed simply by getting them to open space inside very quickly. And that once it's accessed, that people begin to heal themselves. So that's the big discovery of IFS. And I know I just stumbled onto that again almost 40 years ago, where I'm, again, applying family therapy ideas to this inner system that I'm discovering. And one family therapy technique is just to have two family members talk to each other directly who are polarized so that they learn they aren't what they thought and they start to get along. So I would try to get a client to do that with some part that they didn't like, like the critic, and listen to it instead of finding it. And as I'm doing that, I'm noticing all these other parts are jumping in and things are are going south because now my client's angry at the critic. But I asked, could you get those parts to just let us finish this conversation? Just step out and relax until we're done. And people could do that. And when they did, it was like this other person popped out who knew how to relate to the critic in a open, calm, confident even compassionate way. And the critic would drop its extreme state and reveal what it was protecting and how much it needed love, like all the other parts. And so we could do something entirely different then. And I would try the same technique with other clients where we would just get the parts that were interfering to relax in open space. And it was like the same person would pop out with the same level of calm and confidence and curiosity and compassion and courage and clarity and creativity and connectedness. So those are what we call the eight C's of self, capital S, self-leadership. And it turns out now, 40 years later, thousands of clients later, and now thousands of people using this all over the world, that that self is in everybody, can't be damaged, knows how to heal, and is just beneath the surface of these parts, such that when they open space, it pops out automatically. And that is the big discovery of IFS. And then the self works with those parts to show them that it's as a, as I forty two year old woman, or that it's a it's capable of taking care of them, and they can be reassigned or relax or do something else, and the exile can rejoin the team. And would the exile have a a new role, or would the exile just rest, just be loved? It it depends on what it wants to do. So, yeah, these protectors are like in family therapy, we would call them parentified children. Mm-hmm. They're all these parts are pretty young, 
and some of them take on these parental roles of running your life, like the managers we were talking about. And so as they come to see there is this other person in there, what I'm calling the self, who isn't so young and, and actually can handle the outside world much better than they can, then they relax and they can start find, figuring out who they really are and, and get into their own new roles and then allow us from the self to go to go to your exiles, which would be to focus on the pain, for example, that the protectors were trying to contain. And when you get to an exile, often you'll see yourself as a child, not always. And it turns out these exiles, in order to heal, in order for them to transform, they need about four different things. First, they need for you to make a connection so that they trust you, because many exiles are angry. They feel abandoned by you. They, when we first meet them, they turn their backs on you and won't talk to you. So we need to spend some time helping that little girl, including apologies for how you did abandon her, help her come to trust that you do care, that you're somebody who can help her. And then when that's in place, mainly these exiles need you to get what happened to them in the past, where they're stuck, and how bad it is, how, ba how bad where they're stuck is now. So you become a compassionate witness to your own history, and, and some people get very emotional while they're doing that. Mm -hmm. And we do that until that little girl says, okay, I think you finally get what happened and how bad it was. And But that's not the end because she still lives back there. So I would say to you, Elise, I want you to go into that scene and be with her the way she needed somebody at the time. And you wouldn't see yourself. You would You would actually just see the girl. You'd be back in whatever scene it was. And... I might even say, ask her what she wants you to do for her back there. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, you said, people say you can't change the past, what happened, happened. But in this inner world, you can literally change the experience of the past by having you stand up to your mother or whatever she needed you to do. And then when she's ready, take her out of that time to a safe place, which is often present just to be with you but it could be a fantasy place mm. and, and, and make sure she trusts that she never has to go back there. And then we, we, I would have you ask her if she's ready to unload the feelings and beliefs she got back there. And when these exiles really trust they're safe and they don't have to go back, usually they're willing to what we call unburden the extreme beliefs and emotions they got in those scenes. And, there's a little process to where we send them out of your system. And the little girl immediately feels much lighter, wants to play. And so that would be healing the exile. And then once an exile is healed, we bring in the protectors to see that it do they don't have to protect her anymore. Mm. And they're freed up to do what they would rather do. Yeah. I haven't done full IFS, but you know, you write, and we've talked about this in the past, the correlation between IFS and parts work and deep MDMA therapy, which I have done. And I think you give us an early work 
It's like 70% and 70% of those sessions, people just spontaneously start working with parts, something like that in that early data. And that was my experience. I didn't, I wouldn't have had those words, but I certainly, many of my, I did it three times and much of it was being with myself as a little child. And I would say in, in, in being with myself that it was generalized feelings. I wasn't necessarily, I did revisit one event a lot. Is it always a singular event or is it sometimes just a general feeling? It's often a whole time period. You know, it's not one incident necessarily, but it's a whole series of events that took place during several years, maybe. And so you're just kind of feeling the feelings more than uh, seeing something, some specific trauma. Okay. Yeah, no, that that resonates as like a generalized experience of myself that I was having as an adult as not necessarily cognitive dissonance, but seeing myself as a child, what I was experiencing and that what, what wasn't acknowledged in this case by my parents, nothing bad, but I wasn't really taught what I was feeling was disavowed, right, or wasn't recognized or was shamed. And so, and that's haunted me. It was this like attracting any sort of attention was harmful negative, distasteful. And I did attract a lot of attention. I was like a charismatic child. And so it was that sort of deep shaming of that self, fear of being seen. That was like the group of feelings, but it wasn't attached to any specific inciting event, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, I I mentioned earlier that we exile these parts because they get traumatized. But that's the other reason we'll exile parts is because our families didn't like them. And Mm. so we felt like we had to to survive in our family. We had to lock them away too. So that would be the category of exiles that you had more. Okay. And then in that instance, my managers or firefighters would be proactively guarding against any instance where I might be drawing too much attention to myself or being too visible and reminding me of its danger. Is that accurate? That's accurate. And a lot of times the managers will imitate your parents and they'll sound like your mother's voice or something in a shaming (laughs) way because they they think that's what you listen to and that'll keep those exiles locked away. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. There are lots of exercises in the book. Obviously, the best thing is to find an IFS therapist and you guys train therapists all over the world to work with you. When when I have worked with parts or spoken to my the, – the thing that I'm also grateful to my MDMA experience is, is establishing a somatic relationship with my body where I feel like I'm able to talk to my body or like you mentioned the managers in your shoulders. Like I'm – I talk to – the pain in my jaw all the time. 
How do you know who you're talking to? Because sometimes I'm convinced it's myself. Sometimes I'm con- I don't I doubt it's an exile, but the manager or the firefighter is so right. What do you mean right? <laughs> that their concerns or their anger. We'll we'll start with anger because that's what I store in my joy my jaw. Their anger huh? is so valid and so right that I have a hard time thinking of it as as I can't dismiss it. I think that they're right and I need to be living by their admin, like how they're admonishing me. Does that make sense? Oh, the, oh they're angry at you. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you. that just means you have other parts that buy into that, what they're saying. But I buy into what they're saying. No, that's not you. That's That's other parts. Okay, that's not me. No, yourself wouldn't buy into what they're saying. It wouldn't? No. Okay. So then you know you're, in that instance, I know I'm working with a manager who's protecting an exile. Exactly right. Okay. And then I just need to stay with those managers and hear them and process. You you want want to do a piece of work? Sure. Okay. But I don't know if I know how to do it right. So will you guide me through it? Of course I will. Okay. Do you want to start with that? That feeling in your jaw? Yeah. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Do I close my eyes? Yes. Okay. So focus. It's pain, you said, right? Mm-hmm. Focus on the pain in your jaw. Yeah. And tell me how you feel toward it. I feel I recognize like both rage and also sadness. And this sort of like holding a dam. That's the uh-huh. sen- sensation. Exhaustion. Yeah. Okay. And so those could be three different parts. But as you notice the those feelings, how do you feel toward the parts that carry those feelings? In other words, are you open to getting to know them? Or do you want to get away from them? Or how are you feeling toward them? I am feeling compassionate towards them but i don't know how to i actually don't know how to help them yeah but i do so (laughs) the part that says you it doesn't you don't know how to we're going to ask that one to give us the space to help them okay so see if that part can step back a little bit it's arguing what's it saying it's saying like the only way for me to help them is to stop speaking Why is that going to help them? Oh, is it um, is it a part that doesn't want you to show off or something? Is that the whole? I think it's a part that feels like I get myself into trouble. Uh-huh, I'm going to get myself into trouble, and I just yeah. need to stop speaking. Okay. So let's work with it first then, because we need its permission okay. to do any of this. So find that one in your body. Around so your much body. anxiety. Where's that? Where do in the you back find of my it? throat? Like just dread and anxiety. Yeah. And how do you feel toward this part that carries so much anxiety? Oh, compassionate. So let it know and see how it reacts to your compassion. Okay. How does it react? It appreciates that. Yeah. 
and let it, it won't know. Like stand down, but it appreciates it appreciates acknowledgement that I know it's hard. Yeah, we're not asking it to stand down right now. Okay. We just want to get to know it better. Okay. And just let it know we get that it's really scared you're going to get in big trouble if you keep going, if you keep your mouth open. There's just a part of me, like this impatient part of me that is also incredibly angry at at being silenced. That's sort of, and it's full of expletives and rage. Right. So let it know it has to wait its turn. Okay. We first want to work with this really scared one. Okay. With the anxiety and, and let that one know that we're not going to do anything without its permission. Okay. It's the boss. Okay. How does it react to hearing that? It's once the trust. Okay, good. Well, but ask it more about what kind of trouble it's afraid you'll get into or what its fears are. All that I can't control. What comes out or? It's not that it has fear of me so much as like the the world's reaction to me or. Uh-huh. Does that make sense? Like, totally makes sense, yeah. I mean, this is a public podcast, so <laughs> yes. it's got a point. It has a point, yes, exactly. It's hard for me to be like, I don't, I can't disagree with it. So let it know that. That I get the point too, and that's why we're not going to do anything without its permission. Okay. Now, also let it know that if it were to give us permission, and we went back to the parts we started with, you don't have to disclose what they tell you. Okay. To, to actually help them. Okay. So if it's worried about you saying something negative about somebody and that coming back to bite you, you don't have to tell us. Okay. It's for you to know. That That's calming. Okay. And also let it know that if it does let us go back, there is probably some healing we can do. So it's not so chaotic in there. and You may not have this pain in your jaw so much. Okay. And it can be freed up to not have to, you know, keep everything under control so much. Okay. See how it reacts to all that. It's laughing because it's like, I don't, it's like, I don't have that much control. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's got a point there too. But it do- I guess what I'd say is it doesn't have to live in this kind of anxiety constantly. Yes. If, if we were able to heal some of this. Agree. It agrees. And it would like to not, it doesn't want to do this. Mm-hmm. I think it would like to give it, it would like to give this up. Yeah. Another question for it is if, we could pull this off and it was freed from this role, what might it like to do instead inside of you? Mm. If it didn't have to be this anxious naysayer. It wants to be on the discernment team. It wants to be like up front, not worried retroactively. Like it wants to be. That's perfect. That's okay. perfect. It wants to suss out what actually is dangerous mm-hmm. and give you information and then let you decide. Yes. 
So tell it that's where we're headed. We're going to free it for that role. Okay. It's excited. Okay, good. So it does give us permission. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's go back to your jaw and the parts that are using your jaw. I know, I remember there was anger and sadness. Mm -hmm. And how do you feel now about getting to know these parts? I, I need to work with my sadness. Okay. That's the most present. And where do you find it in your body or around your body? It's also in my jaw, it's in my eyes, uh -huh, back of my throat. How do you feel it? How do you feel toward it, Elise? Oh, like so loving. Let it um, know. Yeah. Let it know yeah. you love it. Yeah. See how it reacts to your love. There's relief there. Yeah. But it, this is weird, but it also likes its job. And what is it like about it? It likes like the, the depth of the feeling. It likes, it likes holding, it feels like it's holding something that's darker and heavier, but important. Like it does, it wants to remind me that sadness is important too. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I, so let, yes. Go ahead. Yeah. So tell it that that makes sense. We're not going to make it do anything it doesn't want to. We just want to get to know it for a little while. Yeah. Better. It just feel it wants to continue to feel deeply. Mm -hmm. The part that's contributing here that it does, it, it's this like deep, deep desire to be understood. Yeah. And known. And it feels misunderstood. Right. So let it know that's why we're with it now. Because we want to understand it. This is its chance to feel understood rather than misunderstood. Mm -hmm. And just see what it wants you to understand. Just ask. And again, you, you can share what feels right or not. It's up to you what you share. That it's good. That the sad part is good? Yeah, that it's, this part is like, it's it's not pure, but there is like, <sighs> It wants to help. It wants to, it's that sort of like, but I, it's not matter. It doesn't, it's not that it wants to matter, but it's like this, this, like, I just mean well, I mean well. So let it know you get that. Mm -hmm. And see how it reacts to being appreciated for that. It likes it. It likes the attention. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And again, we're just going to stay open and see yeah. if there's anything else it wants you to know about itself. Just like I don't visit. Yeah, you try to stay away from it, right? Yeah. So maybe you I can... like, yeah, to apologize to it. Yeah, for that. I was going to say, maybe you can apologize to it. You've allowed these other parts to keep you away from it. Because mm -hmm. you didn't really understand it. Yeah, and it's it's this like I I it's saying like I deserve to feel bad sometimes. Like it's okay to feel bad and yeah. to want attention for feeling yeah. bad. It's okay. Yeah. So let it know that in your family it wasn't okay and you're sorry about that. It wasn't fair. 
but you're going to start to treat it differently now. Yeah. It doesn't like the name self-pitying. Yeah, that's that's what they would call it. Yeah. <laughs> Not into it. What? <laughs> Not into it. No. So again, you can apologize for shaming it that way. Because mm -hmm. some part of you picked up on that and has been doing that to it. Mm -hmm. And see if it'll accept your apology. It will accept my apology. It doesn't trust that I know actually how to stay with it, but it is like I I broke my neck a couple two months ago and I'm fine. What? Wow. <laughs> I fell off okay. a horse and I broke my neck. And oh this my part, God. I know, but I'm, I'm okay. But this is what this part is mad at me about. <laughs> to say you're fine. I'm fine. It's like, you're not stop. Yeah. <laughs> you're not fine. If you break your neck two months ago. Oh. So let it know you're going to start listening to it more. And I'm here to help you do that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I have definitely have more work to do with this part. Yeah. It has a lot to say. Yeah, good. <laughs> so should we work, though, first with the parts that don't like it and call it names and try yeah. to keep you away from it? See if it's up for letting us do that. <sighs> okay. Said yes? Yeah. All right, so then focus on the part that call it self-pity and all that and find that one in your body or around your body. It's like a wave of nausea. It's the back of my throat. Oh, this part's so nasty. How do you feel toward it as you see it? I'm scared of this part. All right, but... Let's ask all the ones who are scared of it to go into a safe waiting room while we deal with it. Because okay. it has no power if you're not afraid of it. Okay. So just see if the scared ones will give us a break for a little while. Yeah. How do you feel okay. toward it now? Calm. So, all right. So ask why it's so nasty to you. And... See what it says. This is the part that feels like when I ask for attention or seek attention or ask for things, I get bad things. I get in trouble. Okay. So it's really just trying to protect you. Yeah. It's angry, but yes. And let it's it know. Forceful. Yeah. Let it know that that was true in your family. And that it did have to protect you this way back then. But ask it how old it thinks you are. Eight. Yeah, so let it know you're not eight anymore. You don't live with those people. I don't assume. I assume you don't. <laughs> and, and, and you can handle more than you could back then. And just see how it reacts. It's showing me this is what this was like the scene that I worked with in MDMA and it's showing it to me it was a scene of sorry trigger I mean where 
I don't know exactly what happened, but there was a molestation by a, a friend of a family friend. And so that's what it's, it's bringing me to. Hey, and I've done a lot of work on this. Don't worry about that. So Okay. how old are you in that scene? I want to say now eight. I wasn't, I never was sure eight or nine. Okay, got it. Yeah. All right. So are you up for really getting what that was like for this girl? Yeah. All right. So tell her you're ready to really feel and see and sense everything she wants you to about what that was like for her. And just stay with it, even though it's painful. Yeah, I mean... Oh, I feel so bad for her. Yeah, good. Keep letting her know that. Yeah. And just see if, there, if she feels like you're getting this or if there's more she wants you to get about it. She really liked the attention until Right. she didn't. That's right. That's right. Just stay with that. That totally makes sense that she would like this guy's attention. And then he turned on her and it went, so I don't know, And you she get, really, yeah. go ahead. She thinks she's, she thinks she's old enough to handle this or that she is responsible. Just stay with that. Everything about it. Yeah. And he's making her feel responsible Yeah, that it was her and fault. her fault, irresistible. Mm -hmm. Love. Yeah. Yeah, just stay with it, though. Let her know you can understand why she would take in all that. We're not going to correct it yet. We're just going to get everything about it for her. And then there's this bit feeling of betrayal because nobody noticed. Okay. She didn't tell anybody. So she didn't feel protected either. Mm -mm. Felt all alone with it. That she should be able to handle it. Yeah. So see if she's feeling like you're really getting this now. Or if there's anything more. No, I think she thinks I understand. Just ask her. Don't Okay. think. Just ask her and wait for the answer. She thinks I understand and, but she also feels like the world, she doesn't trust the world. Yeah, of course. But tell her we're going to fix all that. Okay. Mm-hmm. But she does feel like you get it now. Okay, good. All right, Lisa, so I want you to go into that scene and be there with her in the way she needed somebody. And so just tell me when you're there with her. Mm -hmm. Okay, and how are you being with her? Mm -hmm. I'm holding her, protecting her, putting her behind me. Good. It's really good. And ask if there's anything else she wants you to do for her back there before we take her to a good place. No. She's just ready to go. She just wants out of there. All right. So let's take her. Could be to your house there in the present, or it could be a fantasy place, wherever she wants to go. Here, she wants to be with me. All right. So just tell me when she's there with you. She's here. Okay, good.
How is she reacting to being with you now and not back there? Happy. Good. And let her know she never has to go back there now and she's not going to be alone anymore because you're going to be with her this way. Okay. How is she reacting to that? Relief. Yeah, good. And ask her, given that, if she's ready to unload the feelings and beliefs she got from that time. Okay. Where does she carry all that in her body or on her body? Ask her In that. her chest. And what would she like to give it all up to? Light, water, fire, wind, earth, anything else? Light. All right, Elisa, bring in the light and have it shine on her. Just tell me when she's in the light. She's there. And tell her to let all that out of her chest now and let the light take it away. There's no need to carry any of that anymore. <sighs> okay. Is it gone? Mm -hmm. How is she doing now without it? She's good. good. I'm sweating, but she's good. <laughs> good. <laughs> and tell her now if she'd like to, she can invite qualities into her body. And you can just see what comes into her now. Mm. Mm. Wow. What's happening? Oh, it's just this like qual like a lack of self-consciousness, like a, a uh -huh. like this energy of playing mm -hmm. and freedom. That's great. Ugh. That's what I think that that energy is. Exactly. Wow. So how does she seem now? So much lighter. Yeah. So let's bring in all these parts that we're trying to, you know, keep you from shining mm -hmm. and keep her held down just so they can see how she's doing now. Just see how they react. It's funny. It's like blinding. The light from her is blinding or what's blinding? Mm -hmm. Okay. Do you have a sense of how they're reacting, though? I think they're pleased. I think they're surprised. Just ask them. Okay. <laughs> Relief. Yeah. And let them know there might be other parts that still need to be healed, but this was a big one, and they can relax about this and see if they are ready to take on new roles or they want to wait till you've done the rest of it. Yeah, they're tired yeah good is it they just want to relax that's fine they can do is that, that okay totally yeah they okay. can trust they can trust you just they all think you're young too so just let them all know how old you are and how much okay. they can trust you more than they thought they can all just rest they've been working their asses off yeah oh my god and then before we stop at least go back to that original sad one and see how it's reacting to this. It feels less full, like calm, not like like it has capacity. Yeah. And let it know that because of this work, it will be a lot easier for you to spend time with it. Okay. 
and not try to get away from that. Yeah. And its request is like, I don't want to be a dam. Like, I don't, I don't need yeah. to like be bursting. That's right. And then go back finally to your jaw and see how it's doing. Much better. Okay. It's not, there's more stuff in there, but. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So does that feel complete for now? Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was a great example of the process, much better than us talking about it. Oh, my God. High schoolers are busy, but no one's too busy to help fight cancer. The Leukemia and Lymphoma Society is looking for their next student visionaries of the year. Could that be your child? High schoolers who participate in the seven-week philanthropic leadership development program gain valuable life skills like project management, communication, financial literacy, and entrepreneurship. Forming strong teams behind them, they fundraise for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society in honor of a pediatric blood cancer survivor right in their local community. Most importantly, this campaign is an opportunity for high schoolers to engage in meaningful work within their community and make a real impact on the lives of blood cancer patients and their families. Sound like something your child might be interested in? You can learn more about Student Visionaries of the Year or even nominate a student at lls.org slash students. That's lls.org slash students. That felt like a big final part for her. Yeah. You know, you did some witnessing of her through the MDMA, but she was still living back there. So. Yeah. I didn't even know she was there until I did MDMA. So. Because yeah, you didn't I, have any memory of it or because, is that true? I had a memory of this guy at a lake party a summer, maybe a summer after like an unsettling experience on an inner tube that I've always been conscious of where like he just wanted to like be with me and ride this inner tube waiting for someone to notice that I've always been aware of. And I think I was older, a year or two older, but I didn't, I knew, I guess on some level I knew that was attached to something else. It wasn't our first encounter. But then when I did the MDMA, I just did it to experience it so I could talk about it on TV as one does <laughs> and then I didn't really expect anything from my session. And then right. it was immediately like, that's just, it was like present. And that's, yeah. we worked with that for a long time, but. And that's, you know, that's the effect of these psychedelic medicines. For whatever reason, your managers go to sleep or go offline. You access a huge amount of self. And then all these exiles feel the invitation and they come and tell you their stories. Yes, exactly. That is exactly, that was my experience. And then, of course, now I'm like, yes, I know. I Again, I don't know exactly what happened, I, and I don't know that I need to, but. Well, that's up to um, her. I mean, if she if okay. she needs you to get more details, then you need to go back, but she may not. Okay. IFS people. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm glad we did that because I think it can sound, I mean, you talk about it as like the monomind, the pernicious nature of the monomind and this idea that we have of like, we suddenly think that we're schizophrenic, right? Yeah. But of course, we're having yeah. inner conversations all the time. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. And we're getting these, you know, symptoms in our bodies, like your pain in your jaw, and medicine is designed to kill the messenger rather than listen to the message. And if you have smart managers, 
and, and managers who have been with you for a long time, they're really good at the rationalization, right? Like, I feel like I'm, I'm really good at that surface level without actually being with the feeling. That's right. Yeah. Right. But, but you went for it today. I was really impressed. That oh, thank you. Thanks for doing do that with me. And obviously you have, people can read these books, they can do these exercises, but I don't think anything is equivalent to actually doing the, doing it. Right. Yeah. No, that's totally right. I yeah. mean, it's, it's, some people can do what we just did on their own, but not many. Yeah. Well, I'd imagine too, if you work with a therapist and you start learning it, uh-huh. maybe it becomes easier. But even so, I think it's, if you have adept managers, they can jump in there. Like those moments when I'm like, I can, t- I'll right. tell you what they're thinking. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> especially, especially that thinking manager. Cause that's a, you know, I, I'm always listening when I ask you what the part's saying, I think it's saying <laughs> that's a dead giveaway that there's this thinking part that's come in to do the talking. Yeah. The other reason that I love this work is that, and you talk about this as a micro to macro, right? Like you see families acting out, like you see kids acting out on behalf of their parents, et cetera. But we also see this socially. And I think that part of the work is so important. The work that you do with activists who typically have a lot of exiles, right? Yeah. A lot yeah. of trauma. And the way that our tor- our firefighters, our protectors engage with other people's protectors. You'd call it a contagion. Can you just quickly take us through that? With activists, you mean? Yeah, just like, and and what we're seeing on a geopolitical level. Okay. (laughs) I know it's a big question. Right. (laughs) So, you know, one way to think of it is, uh, I talked about exiles and protectors. And if you think of our country, for example, as a person, we've never had more exiles because... I saw a statistic the other day that 60% of the population are living paycheck to paycheck. There's mm. People are desperately hurting. And when any system has a lot of exiles with a lot of pain, you're going to have very extreme protectors. And so you can see the polarization in our political system and, and also how many extreme symptoms there are in the population and how much violence and all of that. And so, and how little self is around. There's mm-hmm. very little self to be found. And so that's characteri- that characterizes any, any highly exiled system. And so the, the goal of IFS at that level is really just to bring forth more self-energy in leaders. And so... We're working, like you said, with political activists. We're working with executive coaches. And and we're just trying to bring more self-energy to leadership in this country. So anyway, that's the short version. Well, that was intense and unplanned. But thank you to those of you who stayed with me through that. And hopefully it gives you a better idea of IFS, which can be quite heady, but is actually quite simple, which is how do you go out? How do you find those little children inside and bring them home? And as mentioned, I did do MDMA therapeutically, did it three times. It's not yet legal, hopefully soon. It's incredibly powerful 
particularly for people who have PTSD. The work with vets in particular is stunning, life-saving. MAPS is the place to go and to donate for this research. And in terms of what we touched on at the very end, this idea of bringing more self to leadership, it's so important because as he talks about in No Bad Parts, which is his book, he talks about this idea of contagion or resonance. He writes, protector parts are contagious in the sense that when one member of a system, particularly the leader, is blended with the protector part, it often activates protectors of others and the culture of the organization becomes permeated with that protective energy. Correspondingly, self-led people bring out the selves of those around them. As when one vibrating tuning fork sets off another, one at a distance, the presence of self in a system helps protectors relax and elicit self throughout the organization. And so he talks about this in the context of politics. It works on every conceivable scale, that the more we unburden ourselves, the more ourselves can come forward and lead. All right, it's a heavy one, but thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. You can find show notes and full transcripts of the episodes at theelisepodcast.com. Please sign up for my newsletter, I promise I won't spam you, or follow me on Instagram at Elise Lunen to get updates on new episodes. I'd also like to give a huge thank you to my sponsors who make this show possible. Please support them the way they support this podcast. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13 Studio. If you enjoyed this episode, please listen, rate, review, and follow Pulling the Thread, available now for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcasts, i.e. wherever you're listening right now. I also want to thank you in advance for sharing any episodes with friends you think might like the show because that is how podcasts grow. I want to give a shout out to Phil Svitek, Lauren LaGrasso, Serena Reagan, Mary-Kate McDonough, and the entire Cadence 13 team for producing these episodes, and to Valero Duvall for my key art. Take care of yourselves. I'll see you next week. <laughs>